Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just Get Fit with Nikki. I'm your host, Nikki, a certified nutrition coach and personal trainer. And today I'm doing something a little bit different. What I did earlier this week was ask you guys on Instagram at justget.fit if you don't already follow me, what are some of your biggest nutrition questions? And there were quite a few, but as a lot of them were answered in previous podcasts, I selected five and I'm going to go into more depth. So the five questions I'm going to be talking about or addressing are number one, how long should you be in a calorie deficit? Number two, what to do if you are team always hungry? So for example, if you are someone who is trying to aim for a certain number of calories to be in a deficit for fat loss, and you just keep going over those calories. Question three, what if your recommended calories for your goals leaves you hungry? And number four, how do you stop tracking calories when you've been in a deficit without anxiety? So if you have been in a calorie deficit, you're in a fat loss phase and you've been tracking everything you eat, how do you transition out of tracking to, you know, a bit more of a normal approach to eating? And last but not least, number five, should you be afraid of fruit, like the sugar in fruit, or should you be worried about only added sugars? All right, so those are the five questions I'm gonna go over and starting with how long should you be in a calorie deficit? And similar to a lot of these answers, it's not easy to give you one set answer and say this is true for everyone. For example, it matters how much weight you're trying to lose. If you are trying to lose five pounds, it definitely doesn't make sense in my mind to be in a calorie deficit for 12 weeks. If you are trying to lose 50 pounds, well, then it also might take longer than 12 weeks to reach that goal. And so this is where it's important to plan ahead. I think a lot of people don't talk about the mental challenges and physical challenges of dieting. And so I do actually have a podcast on this because being in a calorie deficit long-term impacts your body. It impacts your recovery from exercise and training, your energy levels. Think about how tired you get, how much that impacts your willpower and desire to move your body. And so if you are someone who has a little bit more weight to lose, this doesn't mean you should be in a calorie deficit for long periods of time. So if you are someone who, like I mentioned, is trying to lose 50 pounds, well, no, that doesn't mean be in a calorie deficit for an entire year. No, that is not sustainable. That is not healthful. So plan ahead and set a period of time where you're going to say, I'm going to be in a slight to moderate calorie deficit for, you know, eight to 12 weeks, but I'm going to also schedule diet breaks in between there. So I'm going to allow myself periods of time where it's, you know, one day every week or one day every 10 days where I'm going to eat at maintenance calories and I'm going to come out of that deficit with intention. You're not going to eat like an asshole. You're not going to just throw everything out the window that you've been doing, but you're going to enjoy higher calories on those days. You're still going to prioritize protein. You're going to still prioritize vegetables and water moving your body, but you can increase your calories on those days. There's nothing wrong that with planning it on a weekend or something where you have a special occasion. So you can enjoy those things because I do understand that for health reasons or even for aesthetic reasons, sometimes people want to lose weight. I'm not here to make you feel bad about that, but I am also going to be someone who tries to be 
the voice of reason where it's important mentally to take those diet breaks just as it is physically to take those diet breaks. So scheduling those in in advance going, oh, you know what? On Saturday, I get to go, you know, eat this favorite thing I have in mind, increase my calories, enjoy myself. And then Sunday I get back to my plan. So scheduling diet breaks in if you are going to be dieting for longer periods of time is important, but I do recommend setting um, calorie deficit periods. So meaning if you've got a little bit of weight to lose, it might be a four week period. It might be an eight week period. You might go as far as saying, you know, for the next 12 weeks, I'm going to be focusing on being in a deficit most of the time. But I think the thing is I always recommend setting a time frame. And then you can reassess when you get to that end and say, okay, it's been eight weeks. I'm going to take one week off, eat at maintenance calories, and then go back into this deficit if I haven't quite reached my goals. That's okay. Remember, this is meant to be a long, I don't want to say a long con, but this is meant to be a journey. You're not just going to get your results really quickly and then hold on to them. This takes work and effort. So don't just think, oh, I'll be done in eight weeks. I'll be done in 12 weeks. No, those lifestyle changes that you make during your deficit should carry over after your deficit ends as well. Meaning, oh, I prioritized protein while I was in a fat loss phase. Well, you should keep doing that even when you're done. So a lot of those things are healthy habits. And besides the deficit, you should carry those over moving forward. All right. Number two, if you are team always hungry and you happen to be in a fat loss phase and you were trying to stick with a certain number of calories and you just keep going over. I have two different paths for this answer. And the first one is, okay, if you are team always hungry, you need to have a closer look at what you're eating. And this is kind of where I personally think tracking macros as opposed to calories is more helpful. Because sticking with calories means, okay, sure, I can make, you know, chicken strips and fries fit, I can make pizza fit, I can make all these things fit based on just calories. And that's great. You should be able to eat and enjoy those things in moderation. However, I've mentioned this before, but I am someone who, if naturally left to my own devices and how I would eat, I would eat mostly carbs and fat and my protein intake would be well, not nearly as high as it should be. And so team always hungry. If this is you tracking your macros as opposed to just calories can be really helpful because you can actually go into an app like my fitness pal, which there are free versions that you can use for tracking your macros. And after you've tracked everything you've eaten, you will not only see your calorie intake for the day, but you will see the breakdown of where your calories are coming from. And this is helpful for a lot of reasons, because if you actually look, you might say, oh my goodness, like I'm actually getting a lot of my calories from fat, which isn't, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but because fat is more calorie dense, it might mean that you're getting the same amount of calories, but you're not necessarily getting a lot of volume in your day. So for example, think of this, one tablespoon of peanut butter is a hundred calories. Well, 100 calories is also a medium banana. Which one is physically more food though? And so this is where you need to know yourself. Some people are going to have a, a spoonful of peanut butter and be good. I am not one of those people. 
I need volume. I need to physically eat and chew something. And so if I'm only having one or the other, I'm choosing the banana. I mean, ideally, I'd say do a little bit of both. Have a banana, throw some peanut butter on there. You'll have your carbs, you'll have your fats, and it will keep you full longer. But this is where I really and truly see a lot of clients say, oh, I'm having such a hard time sticking to, for example, I'm going to choose 1500 calories because it's a nice round number. And if you're having a hard time sticking to 1500 calories and you take some time to enter everything you're going to eat in advance, and I do mean in advance, you know, night before or morning of, have a look at my fitness pal. Where are your calories coming from? And then from there, you might say, you know what? I'm going to leave everything as is and see how this day goes. See how I feel after my meals. And the reason I ask people to do this and I suggest this to a lot of clients is because a lot of us are impacted by the amount of food we get to eat. You can have a smoothie that is 300 calories. You can also have a smoothie that's 800 calories. And if you're someone like me, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like the 800 calorie smoothie keeps me fuller. It really doesn't. They both taste delicious. They both go down a little bit too easy. And I'm hungry pretty soon after both of them, unless I've made them really, really large shakes, not calorie dense shakes, but large shakes, meaning a lot of volume, a lot of liquid to drink. I only know that from trial and error. And so this is where actually trying things out and not necessarily changing what you're doing, but tracking what you're doing and then see how you feel after that meal. You might say, you know what? I had avocado toast for, for breakfast with an entire avocado and I was actually hungry in two hours. And then you might say, you know what? Maybe tomorrow I'll try the same breakfast, but I'll do half an avocado. You might realize you only need half an avocado because it keeps you full just as long but you save those calories and you can use them for something else in your day. The thing about calorie dense foods like fats, meaning nut butters, oil, actual nuts, um, avocado, those kinds of foods, they're great. They're delicious. Oftentimes they're great for you, but they are a smaller amount of food. So Yes, you can have that tablespoon of peanut butter for 100 calories, but for 100 calories, you might find having a bunch of veggie sticks to be more filling. This is where that trial and error has to come into play, but this is where it's also super important to know where are your calories coming from? The reality is dieting is hard. Being in a calorie deficit is hard. And you are, if you are not physically having a lot of volume and food to eat, it's going to feel a heck of a lot harder, which is why I always tell people, add vegetables, you know, fill half your plate with vegetables, especially if you're in a diet phase, because you get to eat a lot of food and the calories don't add up in the same way. I mean, seriously, go in your fridge, pull out 100 calories worth of vegetables, and then look at a tablespoon of peanut butter. What is more food? It's simple things like that where you don't have to cut things out completely, but being mindful of how your calories add up is important. If you're using a tablespoon of oil at breakfast, a tablespoon at dinner and half a tablespoon at lunch, well, that's approximately what, 250 plus calories right there. And I can tell you 
that two and a half tablespoons of oil isn't keeping you full for a long period of time. So really looking at the breakdown of your food can be really important if you are team always hungry. And okay, the second part of this, that second path that I talked about with team always hungry is if you are that person who's always hungry while you're in a fat loss phase, think about if the calorie amount that you're aiming for is actually realistic. If you're constantly going over your calories, well, maybe it isn't realistic. Maybe you're already prioritizing vegetables. Maybe you're already looking at volume foods. Maybe you're doing everything you can to make your meals go further and you're still hungry. Then maybe the deficit you're striving for is a little bit too extreme and not sustainable. In which case, increase your calories by 100, 150. See where that takes you. Leave it like that for a week. See what happens. Maybe you'll actually stick to those calories and feel more successful. And this ties into question three, which is what if my recommended calorie intake leaves me hungry? And so this is where I've mentioned this in previous podcast, but whether it's an online calorie calculator, whether it is, you know, someone telling you this is how many calories you should eat, please be wary. In the past, when I first started, I used my fitness pal to calculate how many calories I should be eating based on my goal. I was recommended about 1400 calories, which based on how much I was working out, this was way too little. And even now, this is way too little for me as someone who is five foot eight and quite active. And so, yes, there are lots of great resources out there on how to, you know, calculate your calories. But if someone is giving you or a website is giving you recommended calories and you are constantly feeling hungry, well, then my answer is the same as the previous question. Are you including enough volume in your food? One. Number two, do you maybe need to look closer at what you're eating in terms of the calorie dense foods? Are those adding up too quickly? Or three, is the recommended calorie intake you've been given realistic? The problem with not tracking your own calories before figuring out what you need to be eating to be in a deficit is that it completely ignores how many calories you're eating prior to. So for example, if I say next Monday, I'm going to start, you know, a mini diet, I'm going to go into, you know, a calorie deficit for two weeks or three weeks. Oh, I think I'm going to choose, you know, 1700 calories. Well, how did I get that number? Why that number? And I mean, I am this person who would try to diet in the past and would choose just such ambiguous numbers, meaning, oh, I I think 1500 calories looks good, or or I found a free 1500 calorie meal plan. So I'm going to stick with that. If this is how you're choosing your calories for your deficit, this will most certainly bite you in the butt. And the reason for this is, if I don't know how many calories I'm eating this week, and I just ambiguously choose a number for next week to be in, you know, on a diet, I'm not doing myself any favors. Because if I choose that 1500 calorie meal plan, because it's free, but in reality, this entire week, I've been eating approximately 2200 calories a day. Why is it that I need to cut 700 calories a day to lose weight? You don't, you really don't. And not only will this make you miserable, the chances of you being able to stick to cutting that many calories out instantly 
is going to be really, really hard physically and mentally, which means the chances of you failing or the chances of you eating past 1500 calories is significantly higher. And what happens when you consistently kind of fail at something? You consistently eat over those 1500 calories. For most of us, that makes us feel like we're not doing a very good job, like we're being unsuccessful. But you're not. Okay, you're not unsuccessful if you can't stick to those calories. It means you need to reassess things and perhaps increase your calorie intake. Okay, yes, being in a deficit is hard, but you should not be starving and you should not be, you know, thinking about food so much that you can't get anything done. All right, moving on to number four. How can I stop tracking calories when you've been in a deficit without anxiety? And this is a great question and something where it's going to be different for everyone, but I would recommend looking into intuitive eating. I would also really recommend looking at what you've learned during your deficit, during this diet phase. What have you learned about portion sizes? What have you learned about your eating and your preferences? For example, if you have been tracking everything you've been eating for four weeks, well, You've learned something during those four weeks. Don't forget that. You have actually come out with more information. So you might say, oh, actually, you know what? I do have an idea of what a portion size looks like when it comes to protein. Or I do know that if I fill, you know, this dinner size plate with this much vegetables, I feel full longer. And I haven't had to weigh anything. I haven't had to measure anything. You have a lot of information in your brain, which you've acquired from tracking. So use that information. And one thing that a lot of people find helpful to reduce the stress or anxiety is to slowly cut back on your tracking. So if you're currently tracking every single thing you eat, meaning your protein intake, your fat intake, your carb intake, if you're measuring everything out, well, then I do understand that kind of just stopping all of that all of a sudden can be stressful. So why not sit down and have an honest little chat with yourself? Meaning, okay, you know what? I know from tracking that my carbs are almost always on point. I hardly go over. I'm really confident with those. So why don't for the next week, why don't I stop tracking my carb intake? Skip all the vegetables, skip all the carbs, and just stick to fats and proteins. Why not? And as you get more comfortable, you say, you know what? I'm actually doing a really good job with my fat intake. I have a great idea of what, you know, one portion of peanut butter looks like or, you know, how much oil I use when I cook. So why don't I stop tracking that? And then from there, you might be only left with protein intake because you might say, you know what? I'm not that great at making sure my protein intake is enough. So I'm going to keep an eye on that for another week or so and then then I'm going to stop tracking that too. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And if you're a little bit unsure or after a week, you're like, you know what? I'm just not really sure how I'm actually doing. Why don't you track for one day? See where everything is coming in. Reassure yourself and then go back to not tracking. Give that a go. Let me know what you think. And last but not least, should you be afraid of the sugar and fruit or, you know, added sugars? And this is a really good question. And I know I've seen this for a number of years and I'm someone who kind of was impacted by this as well. And that is this 
demonizing of fruit where people are like, oh my gosh, you can't eat this. It's so bad. It has so many carbs. And yes, fruit is mostly made up of carbohydrates. But take a step back and think about this. If you are someone who is currently trying to diet or to lose weight, was it that you ate so much fruit that now you're like, oh, I need to lose five pounds? Chances are you aren't where you're at because you ate too much fruit. Chances are you had about too much takeout, maybe too many glasses of wine and beer. You stopped listening to your hunger cues. You started getting seconds more regardless of how full you are. There's a lot of things that can lead to weight gain. Okay. There's no shame in it. It happens to the best of us. But I want to say that for most of us, that weight gain is not from an excessive amount of fruit. Fruit for most of us is a great healthy option that's low calorie, has lots of vitamins, minerals, nutrients, and is a really great snack or addition to a meal. However, if you are someone who has health issues, is, you know, trying to avoid having your blood sugar spike, has diabetes, anything like this, or you've had a medical professional tell you that you need to cut back on fruit, then I personally think fruit is a great option. I would personally be much more mindful of added sugars because those are in everything and they add up really quickly. Yes, sugar is in fruit. But sugar is also in things like bread. If you've ever bought like Kraft peanut butter, go look at the ingredients on that. There's like powdered sugar and all kinds of things in there. And so this is where, yes, added sugars add up. Keep an eye on those. See where they're coming from. And this is another one where if you aren't sure, go have a look on my fitness pal. Track everything you're eating for a day. And then you can actually go, I think it's in the nutrition section, and you can look at your sugar intake for the day. You can see, oh, where's all my sugar coming from? What has the most amount of sugar? If it's your banana and your carrots that had the most amount of sugar, I really wouldn't worry about it. Unless, like I said, you've been advised by a medical professional. If you track everything for the day and you look and say, huh, I had 30 grams of sugar from my Starbucks and then another 15 from that chocolate bar I had, well then yeah it might be time to make some mindful choices and to change things up a bit. So you are decreasing your added sugar intake. But once again, it's really hard to know unless you have an idea of what you're currently doing. Consider even taking some time to look at your nutrition labels on your favorite foods, because there's a lot of other names for sugar. It rarely just says sugar. Sometimes it'll say dextrose, fructose, lactose, maltose. There are so many different words that you might even be skipping over it and go, nope, not sugar. I'm good. So take a look, inform yourself, do a little research, even just a Google search on other names for sugar on nutrition labels. You will find a very, very long list. Have a look at that and then make your decisions from there. All right, fam. Thank you so much for listening. That's a wrap on these five questions. Please don't forget, you can follow me on Instagram at justget.fit. You can also join my Just Get Fit fam by going to www.justget.fit forward slash stronger. There you will find my three different workout programs, my macro calculation guide to learn how to calculate your macros or calories for your specific goals, as well as 250 recipes 
and lots more nutrition videos. Thank you so much for listening. And if you aren't already, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes.